No, it's not. <laughs> the word that kind of characterizes that whole thing is partisanship. It's the operative word that is spoken in Congress today. Uh, they're deeply divided along party lines, and this has been true a long time, but it seems like it's getting worse. Disunity is the heart, disheartening in government, but it's tragic in the church. If we can learn anything from church history is that Satan's number one objective is an all-out thrust in destroying unity among the people of God. As we continue our series this morning on the one another's, Christ followers need to display like-mindedness to one another. The verse that kind of sums that all up is Romans 12, 16, which says, be of the same mind one toward another. We're going to look in John chapter 17 this morning because this is Christ's prayer for unity. John chapter 17, I'm going to read verses 11 through 23. Jesus was in the upper room and it was kind of like his last will and testimony. He was going to be leaving them soon. He was having the last supper there and he also gave them some words very important words that the church needed to listen to. And John 17, verses 11 through 23, I'm going to read this morning. Now, I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you've given to me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I've kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, the words of Jesus, words that he prayed to you for us. I pray that, Lord, we would learn them and obey them. In his name we pray, amen. Notice Christ's prayer for unity in these verses. I point out five different times Jesus wanted us to be one. Now, we understand that separation is a biblical doctrine. Denominations may not be the best, however, they're better than the alternative, which is everybody that says the name of Jesus gathered into one and lowering the rope so there really isn't any belief at all. 
But Jesus wanted everyone to be unified around the truth. He says in verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we who are followers of Christ need to be together and center that unity around the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. So there's times when we need to separate. Separate from those that don't preach the gospel. Separate from those who are heretics and hold false beliefs. Separate from those that say they are believers who have pulled away from the faith and are unrepentant and continuous sin. However, even though separation is a biblical doctrine, unity is commanded and exemplified in Christ. Like-mindedness is what this word one means. Now, we are not robots. We are not all saying the same thing. We're, we're not just separate pages off of a copy machine. But just as the Father and Son are one, we need to be to gather together in one purpose, with one mind, with one heart. And that purpose is to teach and preach the Word of God, to follow the, the commandments of Scripture, to glorify God, to evangelize the, 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 those that don't know Christ, to gather together to learn more about it, to care for one another. These are our unity. And the closer to the Lord we get, the closer to each other we get. Just think of it this way, of a bicycle wheel, a big rim that's on the outside, and there is the spokes, and then there's the hub. The hub, let's think of Jesus. And the closer each of those spokes get to Jesus, guess what? The closer they get to each other. That's our unity. The focus is on honoring Christ, glorifying Him, preaching His Word, and getting out His gospel. So that's the prayer that Christ makes for His disciples, and that's what He wants us to be unified. The next thing that promotes unity is the example of the early church. Now, turn uh, a few pages to Acts chapter 2. John and then Acts is really right after John and then Acts 2. The early church was born in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when there was a festival that the Jews were gathered there to honor the Lord in the, in the festival of Pentecost. And Peter preached there in the temple. He preached in that, uh, uh, to the gospel to all of those Jews that were there for the festival. And it's amazing thing happened. Amazing thing happened. Follow me as I read starting at verse 41. Then... Those who gladly received his word, Peter's word, the word that he preached on Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, they gladly received his word. They accepted the gospel. They believed in Jesus. And then they were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Uh, 3,000 new church members, 3,000 new believers in Christ were added to those that were already there. And notice what they were doing. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They gathered together for the teaching of the Word of God, uh, the teaching from the apostles that had got it from Jesus, basically the New Testament. They were, they were gathered around. We need to know. We need to learn the teachings of the Scriptures. <clears throat> so that's what they were gathered together. And also fellowship. Part of that early church was the gathering together 
and the strengthening aspect that it was of fellowship. As they gathered together, it encouraged them. I tell you, it, God does not want us to be Lone Ranger Christians out there doing our job for the Lord and then, you know, not having any fellowship because there's something that strengthens our faith when we gather together. So the early church met for the apostles' doctrine. They gathered for fellowship and also in the breaking of bread. This would be eating together and also celebrating the Lord's Supper. And they did that to honor the Lord like we're going to be doing this morning. They met for remembering what Jesus told them to remember on his death and his body and blood that were shed. So they wanted to keep Jesus in the forefront by remembering what he did for them. Also, and in prayer, they gathered together for prayer. <clears throat> Notice it says, and fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They were together. And they had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with, there's the word, one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. What are we trying to, to show here? As they were busy studying the scriptures, fellowshipping with one another, serving the, the Lord's table together, fellowshipping and, and eating together and praying together and evangelizing together, they had one accord. I think there's a lesson there for us. When we are rowing the boat, there's less time to rock the boat. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been out on the water? You know, you know, you 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 need to keep keep paddling, you know, because you need to go somewhere, not rocking the boat. And the same is true in church. The more you get involved in serving the Lord, the more you get involved in in listening to the Word of God and studying the Scriptures and praying together and evangelizing the lost and and helping one another and caring for the needs of the congregation. You're so busy helping each other that promotes the unity instead of the complaints and the criticism that sometimes happens. So the early church had one accord. Turn to Acts chapter 4 for another example of what the early church was doing. Acts 4, now Peter and John had got arrested for preaching the gospel, and they were, they were beaten and they were told, don't do this again. You know, if I catch you preaching out there on the corners, you're going to get, you know, the same thing, you know. And, of course, uh, Peter says, well, what do you think we ought to obey God or you? Well, that didn't deter them. But they went back to church and told their story. And you know what they did in, in Acts 4, verse 31? And when they gathered together, the assembly, the believers that were there, prayed. The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. They prayed as they gathered together and told the story of their evangelistic trip and their, their preaching the gospel in verse 32. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. You see what other thing brought unity. Not only were they so busy serving the Lord and praying and evangelizing, this prayer also brought unity. This is so important of welding God's people together. How can you 
complain and criticize when you're on your knees with another brother or sister in the Lord and you're beseeching God for His work in your life. And prayer brings unity as well. The early church practiced that. The early church also did something else in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Now, I want you to notice that that early church, even though it was really biblical and God had blessed, they were not without problems because they were sinners just like you and I are sinners. Look in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, it was growing by leaps and bounds, the early church, there arose a complaint. (laughs) I tell you, uh, that's what happens, you know. When you start growing, there's going to be some growing pains. And that early church had some growing pains. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now, basically, it's Jewish-based believers or Greek-based believers because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned a multitude of the disciples and said, it's not desirable that we meaning the disciples should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. When there was a threat to the unity of the church, they organized to address the problem. You see, the problem was is that in the New Testament times, there was no social security, there were no nursing homes, there was no place for the widows to have any help. And if you didn't have any family, you were out of luck in that society. But the church felt that it was important to support those that were part of their church family, that didn't, the widows that didn't have any means of support. So they, they were giving out money, the offerings, they were giving out money to help the those that were destitute, and as they were distributing, somebody got overlooked. They got neglected, and especially the ones that had the Greek background. And so there could have been a split in the church. Well, you took care of Aunt Susie over here, but you're not taking care of Aunt Dolores over here. You know, they, they, were, they were starting to be an unrest in the church. So it was so important that they maintained the unity that the apostle says, we can't have this. Let's do something about it. So they appointed what we call the first deacons. And all of these deacons had Greek-sounding names, you know, so that the widows were going to make sure that they got that. And so unity was so important that they organized and they addressed that early church, made sure that it was. And later on in Acts chapter 15, when there was another dispute that threatened the unity of the church, and this was over when the Gentiles started getting saved. Uh, The gospel, when it first went out, especially on the day of Pentecost, all those 3,000 were Jews that got saved and believed in their Messiah, believed in Christ. But later on, when the gospel started going all around through Paul's missionary journeys and things, Gentiles started getting saved, and they started believing in Jesus Christ. And so there was kind of a a two-compartment church that could have developed. It says, well, these Gentiles, they've got to get circumcised, and they've got to obey some of these dietary laws before they can really be one of us. And there was a dispute there in Acts chapter 15. The Apostle James, he was the one that overseen this whole thing, and they said, let's hammer this out, let's address this, and they says, well, hey, let's not let those uh, Gentiles 
jump through the same things that we had to do, and it didn't make us any closer to God. So just as long as they don't commit fornication, as long as they don't eat, you know, things that are strangled and stuff like that, then uh, they are part of us. There could have been a separate denomination there. But the church decided to address that. And so important was unity that they agreed together. Unity was taught by Christ. It was lived out by the early church. But we find places all through the New Testament that is exhorted, that is commanded towards unity. One scripture is Romans 15, verse 5 and 6. Now may the Lord of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify. Glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was addressing the Romans, and he was saying that they needed to be like-minded. And then also in Ephesians 4.3, it says in verse 1 to 3, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, endeavoring. That means keep, work hard at preserving the unity of the Spirit in the assembly. Paul is addressing the Ephesians. Uh, it's part of your spiritual duty is to get along with one another. Work hard. Work hard at, at, at making sure that you mesh. I heard a story one time of a, of a ship that was sailing past this island and they saw some smoke coming from the island, so they decided to see if there was someone there. And they found, they found one guy that was there. He's been there for several years. And so they got off, and they were going to rescue him. And they said, hey, I got a question. What, what is that hut over there that you've built? Well, that's my house. Well, there's another hut down there. What's that one? Well, that's the church that I go to. Well, there's another hut. What over there? What's that? That's the church that I used to go to. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we got a lot of churches we used to go to, a lot of church splits as well in the family of God. I've seen those in my journey as a Christian. As a matter of fact, my home church split back in Indiana. I was in Bible college studying to be a, a minister and got home and found out that half the congregation was gone. I said, what's going on? They split over a doctrine. It was the doctrine of salvation. And the, the doctrine of salvation was this, this little idiosyncrasy. If you prayed a prayer to get saved, then you were not saved. So they, they, had, uh, they, started, they went two blocks away. Uh, they left Calvary Baptist Church and started Solid Rock Baptist Church. You know what I'm talking about here. And they decided that, okay, you can be saved, but you can't pray a prayer because it's a work. And I don't know what it means. I could never figure it out. I just believe what the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To me, that's praying. I mean, it's just calling on the Lord. It was just splitting at a little, little minor thing, and they have a separate church. It's still, you know, there's still two small churches, you know, instead of one small church. Anyway, it's amazing. But you know, that's not the only split I've heard about. I heard about a, a man in one church who wanted to give money uh, so that the church could buy an organ. Well, there was two pledges made for this organ, 
Instead of giving to the general organ fund, each man specified which organ that he wanted the church to purchase. You know, one was, I don't know, Allen, I don't know any other type of organs, but uh, he, this, these men gave to their fund, and they were, uh, there was people started to, to divide over this organ fund and this organ fund, and there began to be a, a, a arguments about that, and they each got a following, and some left the church. Guess what happened? Neither organ was purchased, and guess who won? <laughs> the devil won, <laughs> and that is, that's sad, but things have happened for less reasons. Uh, my wife and I were visiting uh, one of our missionaries when we were pastoring Indiana uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, and we went to this historical old church, and we read a plaque that gave this story. The new pastor was making some changes in the old church. The congregation seemed to appreciate the leadership of their new pastor until he started tampering with the music. The pastor felt that in order to add freshness to the worship service that he would bring in some new music. The church subsequently was up in arms. The pastor did not back down, and as happens too often, the church had a split. Half stayed with the pastor, and half went down the road to establish a more traditional church. Perhaps you're thinking that this is a problem churches have been, only been facing recently. That's not so. The date of that church split was 1771. It happened in the First Baptist Church of America in Providence, Rhode Island. Pastor James Manning was the 13th pastor of this historic church where, when it split over music. That church split in 1771. It wasn't over hymns or choruses. It wasn't over pianos or guitars. It wasn't even over having a praise team or drums. It was over any kind of music at all. The pastor wanted to bring some music, but the old diehards that felt that that was unspiritual and they were having the no music second Baptist church in Providence, Rhode Island. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, you know, what, the, what does the Bible say? Notice in First uh, Philippians 1.27, Stand fast in one spirit, with one mind. We need to listen to these commands towards unity in the Scriptures. Well, what are some steps for developing unity in the church? What can we do? How can we preserve this unity? Well, first of all, we need to understand unity is commanded, it is necessary, and it is possible. You know, a lot of times we think that this is just kind of liberal stuff. No, it's the words of Jesus. It's the hard edges of the apostles Paul. It's, it's, John, it's all the New Testament writers saying we need to, to stay together as God's people. Now, if there's a doctrinal problem or if there's a sin problem, we need to deal with it. But we need to get along with one another. Secondly, if Satan destroys the unity in church Make sure it's not because of you or me. There was a poem that I, I just had to read about this. It's called A Builder or a Wrecker. As I watched them tear a building down, a gang of men in a busy town, with a ho-heave-ho -ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and the side wall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled and the men you'd hired if you want to build? He gave a laugh and said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken years to do. 
And I thought to myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by rule and square? Am I shaping my work to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who walks to town, content with the labor of tearing down? Oh Lord, let my life and my labors be that which will build for eternity. We need to build, not tear down. Build bridges with people, not fences. Remember President Ronald Reagan? Oh, I'd like to have him back again, wouldn't you? <laughs> remember when the Berlin Wall came down? I still remember the speech President Reagan gave while he was in the West Berlin. He said this, General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, come here to this gate, Mr. Gorbachev. Open this gate, Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. Well, two years later, the wall came down. People were climbing over to the other side. Loved ones who were separated for 40 years were embracing and kissing and crying. It was one of the most beautiful scenes in the 20th century. It was deeply touching to watch a fractured German nation become one people once again. We as God's people need to build bridges and not fences. Douse the fires of gossip. Fire causes tragedy. The fire of gossip burns through a church and destroys character, destroys the unity. And then finally, just talk to people to work out disagreements. Talk to people to work out disagreements. When I was in Iowa, I read this story in one of the, the journals of Iowa history. <clears throat> a border dispute in Iowa's past almost caused a war with its neighboring state of Missouri. The people, the problem was caused by a mistake made by a surveyor, a mistake that gave 13 miles of Iowa's southern border to Missouri. The dispute escalated when some Missourians, Missourians, is that what you call them, Missourians? Mi Missourians? Missouri. I, I don't, what, people from Missouri, <laughs> they came into Iowa territory and they cut down three honey trees. A few more incidents resulted in the calling out of the militia from both of the states. Tension mounted as the two sides <clears throat> watched each other, both reluctant to fire the first shot. Finally, the leaders decided to let the legislators settle the border dispute, and the honey war ended without shots being fired. You know, honey wars happen among God's people today. Well, that border dispute between Iowa and Missouri was settled by the Supreme Court after 10 years. God's people don't need the Supreme Court to settle their disputes. Our families, our friends, our fellow workers, our teammates are very important. Let's make sure we use the Word of God to resolve any kind of threats, any kind of honey wars that would destroy the unity of God's people. We're going to be celebrating communion in just a minute. You know the word that Jesus, that is used for the Lord's Supper is communion. It's to symbolize the unity that we have as part of his body. We are members of his church. If you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart, 
that is the way that we celebrate this Lord's Supper. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you should not partake of communion. It's for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. We're going to have the men come, but we're going to ask the Lord to pray. Bless our time. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for the privilege of being a part of your body. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you for the body that was sacrificed by our Lord Jesus on the cross. And we are members of one another. We are unified by that sacrificial death. So I pray that today, Father, if there's one here that has never joined the body, that you would speak to their heart, even through this communion service, of what Jesus Christ did for them. I pray the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace upon Peace River. In Jesus' name, amen.